Good morning, everyone. It is so good to be speaking to you today on parables. Everyone good? Ready? How good's the service been so far? I just love the flow, the ease, different voices. So good. We've got 16 minutes to get through this, so let's get into it. So, a parable is a story that is told to provide a vision for life, especially life in God's kingdom. So when we read the parables in the Bible, they're not actual stories, real life stories. They are sto- they're not real life. They are stories that Jesus is sharing to give a picture or example. So last week we looked at Luke 15 and the parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin and the lost son that all tie in together and saw how this parable reveals our value and uh, how valuable we are to God. So today we are going to be looking at the parable of the Good Samaritan, one of my favorites. So if you've got a Bible, open it up. We are going to read from Luke 10, 25 to 37, reading from the NIV, which stands for Nearly inspired, but no. (laughs) All right, I'm going to start. If you're not there, you can catch up. On one occasion, an expert in the law, a lawyer, stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Test Jesus, that's interesting. What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And in reply, Jesus shares this parable. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was. When he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, he bandaged his wounds, pouring oil, pouring on oil and wine. Ouch. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. So then Jesus says to the lawyer, which of these three do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Let's pray. Jesus, we deeply desire to be with you and to be like you. And so I just pray today that as we open our hearts, you would reveal yourself to us, speak to us, and show us how to live like you lived. 
Amen. Amen. So the parable of the Good Samaritan raises many questions. How do we relate to people who are different from us? What's our responsibility towards hurting people in our world, in our life, in our community? And who is our neighbour? What I find interesting here is the part where the passage is referring to what the lawyer says, and he says, wanting to justify himself, he asked, who is my neighbour? He was hoping that the answer would be my village, my community, and so therefore there would be an ease about it because it's like, well, I do that. But then that is where the story of the Good Samaritan is told. And what we find here in the story of the Good Samaritan is four classes of people which kind pretty well sum up our um, humanity. The victim, the victimizers, the indifferent and the concerned. The important contrast is between the last two, the indifferent and the concerned, because it answers the question, who is my neighbor? So a certain man presumed to be a Jew was going from Jericho to Jerusalem when he fell amongst thieves. They took his possessions, beat him, and left him for dead. A priest was going by, the very type of person that you would suppose would have mercy. Imagine you have been beaten and left for dead on Harbour Drive, and Justin is walking past. <laughs> he sees you. And he crosses the road and keeps walking. It's possible. <laughs> the priest did nothing for whatever reason. Whether he was in a rush, whether he thought they might come after me if I help this guy. We don't know the reason. But the person who you would think would have helped did not. He kept walking. Next came, sorry, next came the Levite, a priest's assistant who did the same thing, an educated person, an upper-class person, also crossed the road. Maybe it was David Hooper, the priest's assistant, also crossed the road <laughs> and walked past. It seemed as though no one would help when surprisingly a Samaritan came and took pity on the man. The Samaritan had an excuse to pass by. Samaritans were hated by Jews. So this guy is a Jew on the side of the road. The Samaritan walks past going, this guy hates my guts, but had mercy on him and helped him. Samaritans were hated by Jews as being racially impure as well as members of a false religious sect. But that did not matter to the Samaritan in view of the victim's needs. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, then took him to an inn where he took care of him and paid the innkeeper to continue to care after he had gone. So Jesus says, who do you think proved to be the neighbor, the one who had mercy on him? And Jesus says, go and do likewise. The lawyer was anticipating an academic discussion. He thought he could talk his way out of having to behave like this. He thought he could turn the pressure off by debating who actually qualified as, a, as his neighbour. Like most Jews of the time, he thought he would define a neighbour as a member of his own people and race, hoping to limit his obligation 
And I think if we're honest, this is what we do too. Maybe I should just say this about myself. If I'm honest, this is what I do too. We use our expertise to escape, to get off the hook. Instead, what we should... Instead... Instead... Sorry, my word's getting mixed up. Instead, we should show that taught by the Holy Spirit, we can have mercy on people. Because of what Jesus has done in our life, because of the Holy Spirit, we should be ready to stop and help. We should be led by the Holy Spirit. And so we see that anyone who is suffering from this story is in fact our neighbour. So in answer to the question, wherever you see a need, that is your neighbour. But that's even in our world not often how we view our neighbour. We think, oh yeah, people in my circle, my family, my friends, my workmates, they're my neighbours, they're the people I'll drop everything to help. But Jesus is saying, no, wherever you see a need, wherever you come across a need, consider that person your neighbour and stop and help them. There are a number of things that might have hindered the Samaritans' acts of love, but they did not. I'm going to talk about three things. The Samaritans' neighbourliness was not hindered by a legalistic application of the law which is the precise thing that hindered the lawyer who asked the question and perhaps hindered the priest and the Levite. They prided themselves on keeping the law exactly and they were fanatic about it. There were also legalists who used their approach to scripture to limit it and thus escapes the the law's true scope and meaning. So if the law had said, help a person lying half dead on the side of the road and do what you can to help them, they would have done it. But because it said, love your neighbour, oh, well, they can kind of justify it and talk themselves out of it. The second thing is the Samaritan was not hindered by nationality or religion. The Jews hated the Samaritans, hated them and could not speak civilly to them. In fact, even when the lawyer was asked by Jesus which man acted as the neighbour, He could not even say Samaritan. He said the one who had mercy on him because they hated them. But the outcast had acted as the neighbour even though he had reason not to care and hated as he was. The Jewish Jewish priest and the Levite would not show mercy even to their own nationality. The point is that love must transcend nationality, race, and religion. And of course, we have an obligation first to our family. As Christians, we have an obligation to each other, but often we stop at that. But the obligation is to love everyone as Christ loved them. We must be moved by the fact that every single one of us are made in the image of God and worthy of our love, worthy of our grace, worthy of mercy, worthy of care. The third thing was that the Samaritan was not deterred from his work by what must have been great personal inconvenience. The inconvenience the Samaritan suffered was both time and money. Would you do what he did? Because often what sometimes we'll do is we will give our money to save ourselves the time 
oh, I, I will just give money to that. Or I will give my time so that I don't have to give my money. But the Samaritan did both. He gave of his time and his money. And that's what genuine love does. It does it thoroughly. We are not true followers of Jesus until we're ready to give whatever is needed and at personal cost. It is our feeding the hungry, giving drink to the thirsty, receiving a stranger, clothing the naked, caring for the sick that shows us to be true disciples. While these things don't make us disciples, the absence of them clearly shows that we are not. The original Greek says that the Samaritan did more than take care of this man, but he offered care and devotion, the, the kind of devotion shown by parents to children or by nurses to children. The man's emotional and financial investment in a stranger's care, his generosity was staggering at the time. What the Samaritan paid to the innkeeper was the equivalent of $1,500. His love was extravagant. The Samaritan took responsibility financially and personally and lived out a belief that your neighbour is the person who needs saving. And so when I think of this, I think, okay, well, so what does that mean for us? Am I meant to just like quit my job and spend my life savings looking out for needs on the street and people everywhere I go? But we have to be practical about it. I don't think that that's what Jesus is asking of us here. But it's being so aware of people everywhere we go and being present. And that is one thing in life in 2023 as we know it, as we are not present. We are so distracted all the time. Wherever we are, there's always an alert or a message or a something or a phone call or this or that. And I've, I'm speaking about myself here. I'm often just not present and not even aware of things that are happening all around me. And I think that is the best place to start, is just to be, put your phone away, put whatever, and just be so into wherever you are and present in the moment. When I think of the Good Samaritan, I actually think of my mum in a very practical day-to-day -day sense. Because all of my life, I have watched her stop and not walk by homeless and needy people. Often you'll find like at supermarkets in town and things, there will be people hanging around. They might be sitting there with, a, with, with all their stuff, with a trolley or whatever, and they're set up there. They might just have a, you know, be busking or they might be doing whatever. She knows them by name and they know her name. And she knows the things that they like to eat. And so when she's walking past them, she will stop and say, hey, Jenny, what do you need today? Do you want your usual things today? And she will go into the supermarket every time and bring something back for them. There used to be this other guy in the mall that she'd see all the time and she knew what sort of pizza he liked from Domino's. She goes, I'll go and order you the pizza. You go and wait for it. And all of my life I've watched my mum do this. And the thing that it has taught me, and she's a, a, a you know, hardworking woman, highly regarded in her job, middle class, but the thing that it taught me is that she never judged them. She never looked down on them. She never thought of herself better than them. 
and she never missed an opportunity to meet a need and she still does it today. And now my kids will go to the supermarket with her and they'll, they are witnessing this as well. And that is what it looks like to love people day to day on a very practical level. And there will be other needs as well. Obviously, different things come up in our life and people around us that we can help. But the thing that, other thing that always stood out to me and that she used to talk about is that every person has a story. And often we're so quick to judge Oh, what did that guy on the side of the road do to be beaten like that? Obviously, he did something dodgy. That's why the priest and the Levite walked past him, because they were like, oh, that's sus. And often in our own judginess, we do the same. Oh, that person's probably got a drug addiction. That's why, probably why they're homeless. If I give them money, they're just going to go buy drugs or alcohol. They might not. And so that's what it's taught me, is that every person has a story, and I don't know that story, but all that I am called to do and all that I am asked to do is love my neighbour. And who's my neighbour? Anybody that has need. The word splagma, used in the original Greek, it's a fun word to say, splagma. I speak Greek now. The word splagma used in the original Greek means pity from your deepest soul. The Samaritan's heart was broken, reflecting a heart for God and the heart we receive from God for others when we embrace salvation through the mercy of Christ. God invites us to see beyond the exterior of lifestyle, colour and even religious affiliation to the Imago Dei in everyone, the image of God in everyone. He reminds us in Luke 10 that we were once the same as that broken, bleeding man. Once you were alienated from God and were even his enemy, but you have been reconciled by Christ's physical body through death and are now without blemish and free from accusation. Our sin nailed Christ to the cross and the Father has every right to despise us, yet he made us heirs with Christ. And so this extravagant love should inspire us to love others extravagantly. Let's pray. God, we thank you. Thank you for the extravagant love that you have shown every single one of us. Thank you for the mercy, the grace that you have poured out upon us. And so, God, I pray for every single one of us here today that we would take that love and take that mercy and we would show it to others, that we would be the good Samaritans of the world, that we would love our neighbours, God, everywhere we go, wherever we see a need. I pray that we would be led by your spirit and fulfil that need however you see fit. God, break our heart for what breaks yours. Help us to love people like you love them. Help us to see people as you see them. God, I thank you for this week ahead that we would go about our days with our eyes open to the world around us, to the need around us, that we would be present and that we would be ready to be used by you. We love you. We desire to be with you. We desire to be like you. And I thank you that you use us for your glory.
In Jesus' name, amen.